following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. When you go to the DMV, you don't negotiate like, oh, I just got a vision test. I don't need to take your vision test. Like, here's the old vision test. Like, you just do it. And so I always joke to my parents. I was like, one of the things that this taught me was obedience. Um, like, I just learned to just, like, we follow the directions. And, and I think it's actually, like I said, it's, it's one thing as well. It's like the FDA actually has a vision of everything that's going on in the industry. And you have to be respectful of the fact that, like, there is, um, there's a lot out there that you don't necessarily know. So for us, you know, it's, it became then a lot of work of saying, listen, we are just going to follow um, the instructions that we need to follow. And, um, and we're going to do what we can to actually go through the system. Hey everyone, it's Laurel, executive producer for Forbes Podcasts. Today you'll hear a chat that took place at the Forbes 30 Under 30 Summit in Boston last year between Matthew Herper, senior editor at Forbes, and Ann Wojcicki, co-founder and CEO of 23andMe. Now heads up, the audio isn't great at times and even drops out at the end when there were audience questions that can't be heard. However, Ann Wojcicki is loud and clear and what she says is so compelling. So with that caveat out of the way, a quick thank you to Veridesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is something you can try for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. So uh, Anne is wearing an amazing dress, but the temperature in this room was apparently set by a, not only a man, but a man <laughs> in a tweed suit. Uh, so, uh, so I have my jacket. Wearing her California fleece. Um, but I, one yes. of the reasons I wanted to have you here, mm-hmm. is the 23andMe story is one that I think has a lot of uh, resonance to people starting companies. You were a very young entrepreneur at a time that there weren't many, and it, you started, you started big, and you ran into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about what that experience was like. Yeah, we... I mean, to me, part of, I get the question a lot, like, did I always want to be an entrepreneur? And like, no, I didn't, I didn't set out like, oh yes, I really want to be an entrepreneur, but I always like to solve problems. And, um, sort of how I was raised was like you, like my mother, for instance, like there was an empty lot across from the house where I grew up and my mom was just like, well, the city should build a park. And I just got the city to build a park. Like we just solve it. And, um, that's always been kind of the way, Um, you know, we've operated. Like, when you see a problem, you want something. Like, I also wanted a restaurant, for instance. I have, there's, my my sister has five kids. My other one has two. Like, there's a lot of kids. Like, not a lot of restaurants want to take 17 people with nine children. So I just started a restaurant. Um, And so, in some ways, like, the healthcare, after in working on Wall Street, started to realize, like, well, healthcare is just, like, not representative of what I want. So I'll just do it. And... Um, and, you know, one of the things that's clear in this new world is that data is really important. And there just wasn't a lot of data. And I felt like I, you know, different things would come up and down in my life. And I would say, like, well, I just want the data about, like, like what should I do? And there wasn't, there wasn't that data. 
So 23andMe really kind of bore out of that desire just to say, like, I want to I wanna create something that's going to solve my own needs. And um, I never really, you know, for me, again, part of it with my family and my parent, like my mom, like controversy's never been something that we've ever really thought about as a potential reason not to do something. So like when we had our initial issues with the FDA, it just like never even crossed my mind that this was like a major issue. Like it was just like, it's just part of the journey. And when you're doing something that is significant, you're going to meet people who don't agree with you. And, and then you just, you have to learn how to manage that. And you need to hear their opinions. There's usually valid opinions and understand and then figure out like you were doing something wrong. In our case, we weren't communicating really correctly um, and we rectify it. And so to me, like part of it is like an entrepreneur, like when you have that vision of what you personally want and then there's always ups and downs in all aspects of your life, like you just have to be a good listener and then figure out how to adapt. Now, but there were years of controversy before that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you were in what turned what turned out to be a pretty brutal uh, competitive race for companies that wanted to do this. You weren't the only one, mm-hmm. and there were other alternatives that, well, you get your giant test results, but of course you have to talk to a counselor or a doctor. Right. What was that environment like as someone who was building a company and was pretty sure that you had something that you thought people should want? Yeah, I thought... Some of the earliest conferences, like we, because we, I always believe, like, why, like, why do I need to go? Why is there an intermediary between everything I want to do in healthcare? Like, why do I always either have to go to a doctor or a genetic counselor? And it just seemed like that's a huge bottleneck, and um, you know, for everyone to get access to care. And and as I invested in companies and saw around India and and Brazil and China, like. There's a lot of countries out there where you don't have this intermediary blocking you or telling you what you can and cannot do. So um, I knew without a doubt, like our system is built upon having an intermediary, and I knew that we would be controversial with that. Um, but again, part of part of also how I was raised was that with this belief that laws today is a reflection of society today, but they're meant to change. And I've never... I've never once thought that like just because something's not legal or it's not, you know, how the laws are are stated means that that's how it's going to be in the future. And we can all look at things now like like gay marriage and stuff like it's just like society evolves in such a way. And so I look at also at healthcare. Um, you know, I think that we run healthcare almost like a communist state. You know, we're very used to having someone above tell you what to do. But, you know, part of it is that I just don't believe that long term people should necessarily always be deferring to another body to be making decisions about their health care. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 Electric Standing Desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, 
stable at any height and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veridesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veridesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk dot com slash Forbes. And support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage, you get a transparent online process. It gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. So, let's talk about the FDA a little more. Yeah. You what was it like when that letter first came through? I mean, you were going through some tumult, and there was a, uh, you guys have been, have been working on, you've been speaking more publicly about the health benefits of the test, and you got this letter from the FDA that didn't just say you guys are doing something wrong, but right. the FDA word for this, which everyone in this room should learn, is misbranded. You yeah. never want the FDA to tell you you're misbranded, no. because it means you have to stop. Right. So, so we did... Um, the story, like when we got our letter, was kind of entertaining because we were at an offsite, and um, I, I had a someone in the office at the time. They sent me a, a text message like, "Oh, you know, the FDA is trying to deliver something to you," and I was like, "Well, don't accept it." Um, <laughs> and then, and then she said, "Like, oh, we already signed." I was like, "Ah, no," because then then you have to deal with it right away, and we're already at this offsite. And I got the letter, and um, it took a while because we had gotten many warning. We'd gotten cease and desist from the state of California and New York and Maryland. Like, we were sort of used to having, and there had been a Senate hearing, we were used to some of this controversy. And I didn't, um, it wasn't really until this letter that we recognized, like, just how much um, they wanted to see change. And so, without a doubt, I mean, it has been... um, was hard. I mean, having, I I can talk the big vision, like we had a vision where we want to go. And so it's easy in some ways to get through controversy when you have a vision, you know exactly what you want to do. But the reality for us is like it, um, it, 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 you know, we have, it slowed down a lot of what we want to do. We had to go back and rebuild our website and rebuild, you know, um, do the validations. Like there was a lot of work that had to happen. And I think that we were over able to overcome in a large part because we had access to capital. We had, um, you know, a team that was really dedicated to it, but it was, you know, I'd say those initial days were a sense of like, Oh, like, what does this really mean? And then as we absorbed it and you realize like, wow, um, 
there's not an easy fix. And I think for me, in some ways, it was one of the more transformal moments of my life when you realize there's not an easy fix. And I think I've, a lot of times we've been able to solve problems, say, oh, okay, well, this is how you get around it. And this was an instance where it was like, there's really not an easy fix. Like what you need to do is just all the work. And we still don't have the full product back on the market. So we're still like, it's four years and we are still working to bring back all the different types of reports that we had back in 2013. So I think it's, um, you know, again, part of it is I think when you're really passionate and dedicated to something, you just do the work. And, um, you know, we have, we've said multiple times, like one of the things that we learned is that, um, you know, the FDA is in charge. And when they ask you to do something, you don't try to negotiate about like, oh, like when you go to the DMV, you don't negotiate like, oh, I just got a vision test. I don't need to take your vision test. Like, here's the old vision test. Like, you just do it. And so I always joke to my parents. I was like, one of the things that this taught me was obedience. Um, Like, I just learned to just like, we follow the directions. And and I think it's actually, like I said, it's it's one thing as well. It's like the FDA actually has a vision of everything that's going on in the industry. And you have to be respectful of the fact that like there is, um, there's a lot out there that you don't necessarily know. So for us, you know, it's, it became that a lot of work of saying, listen, we are just going to follow um, the instructions that we need to follow. And, um, and we're going to do what we can to actually go through the system. And I think that at the end, you know, where we are today, there's been a real net positive because for us to actually work with the sort of establishment in this way and actually have an FDA authorization and be able to talk to physicians and genetic counselors. And, and to, honestly, it was a great partnership in this capacity with the FDA to show that consumers can get information directly and that actually was a huge leap. That's a big change for the FDA that has historically always gone through a physician or genetic counselor to actually get an authorization that says this can be direct to consumer. And so I am really proud of that aspect because I think that what we do want, what I would like to see pioneered in this country is a consumer healthcare world. And if you really want to do that in a way that is respected, you need to get the endorsement of at least key elements of the establishment. And a lot of the establishment would still say that we shouldn't have a consumer health care world. Sure. There's a lot of, there's a lo- I mean, yeah. there is, there's a lot of bad information out there. There is a lot of, I, I, and we bring this up all the time within the company is that there is, um, you know, we have some great scientists in the company and I'll say, you know, you have, you have this authority within the building. I was like, but outside of the building, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow is ruling the healthcare world and with Goop. And so I was like, you're... <laughs> You're going head to head with Gwyneth. Um, And I think that that is, you know, part of what I I hope long term with 23andMe is that we can bridge that gap of saying, like, listen, like, we're always grounded in the science. Like, we are following, like, we have great scientists and we have great science and we publish a lot, but we're also fun. And we're helping educate customers about you know, what is real science and how do you, how do you differentiate between some of the work we're doing and some of the work other people are doing? And how do you look at something like vaccines and autism and, and who are those right authorities to be listening to? So my hope here is like, as, as we get millions and millions of customers doing 23andMe, is there an opportunity for us to help people really better understand science and and teach people like one of my greatest joys of this company is that young people come to me and say like oh because I got my 23andMe when I was you know I played with this and then I really wanted to get into science like it gave me that confidence that I could 
learn about something that's scientific. And it's one of the things I like to say all the time. Like, I don't, I don't have an MD and I don't have a PhD. And at the same time, like, I feel like I, I don't understand all the details, but like, I understand a lot of obviously what we do. And, um, and hopefully, um, <laughs> and, and that you don't, you know, to not be intimidated that there's a lot of these big words, but like anyone can be a scientist. And so give people that confidence. So that's one of my things I really hope does come out and that people become better at differentiating between, again, what I'd say is sort of the fringe science and what is it that's actually really based on some solid scientific techniques. And where does your faith come from that having all this extra information is a net positive? Because we certainly see the cases of, you know, a woman who found out about BRCA. But um, I also, years ago, had a woman a comment on a story who had gotten the full bracket test and tested negative on 23andMe and thought she was fine. So someone who really should have gotten medical intervention mm -hmm. probably didn't. Mm -hmm. How do you, there's going to be both, right? Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you make sure that you're minimizing harms and maximizing I, I, so and this was had to be the FDA's concern too, right? I, mean, I think what, what I mean, I think the FDA had all kinds of different concerns, but I think one of the things that we we did do with the FDA is to show um, um, comprehension. So we take things like our Alzheimer's report and we go around the country and we actually show that people of all different education levels can understand these reports. So I am a huge believer. It's it, nothing is a hundred percent that's out there, um, but I'm a huge believer that. People could like with the right information and the right steps, people can actually learn this and then they can make the right decisions. And I think part of what the some of the advantages of being a web based service is that we can test our customers and then we can iterate. And so I, I, again, I worked in a number of different hospitals and I remember, um, you know, I worked in, in Bellevue in New York and I remember one of the physicians once screaming, I was a, just a volunteer and he was like, uh, tell that woman that she has uh, colorectal cancer and she should sign some releases. And I, I remember thinking, like, I'm probably not the right person to deliver this information. So I think we can all relate to um, not all information is delivered in the right way. Right. And, um, and, and at least 23andMe is not going to be perfect for everyone, but it's a standardized format. We can test it. I can actually see. I can measure concepts. Um, so I can see how much people are absorbing this information. And I think that there is, I'm so overwhelmed also on a daily basis, like the net positive of stories that are coming out. And, and I'm, I'm surprised in this day and age, you know, a significant percentage of pregnancies in this country still don't get genetic testing. Like, it's just amazing. Like cystic fibrosis, like all these things that are just like really common. So access to care um, is not, um, it is just, it's still an issue. So for me, it's about enabling the access to care and then making sure that we are doing everything we can to make sure people understand it. So there's always going to be cases, I think, where people um, have an issue. And again, part of what we can do there then is we can keep iterating on the site to keep making it better. So one of the things that got you through that F those FDA issues as a company mm -hmm. is that the data that you collected over all those years is actually turned out to be valuable, at least in the eyes of Mm -hmm. Some partners, mm -hmm. um, and you made a bit of a move, a bit of a pivot at the time mm -hmm. into drug discovery, which had always been part of the idea. But now you're actually doing it internally. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you decided to do that. We had always, again, the part of the goal of having a lot of data was to see, like, how do you actually make healthcare more efficient? It could be in terms of like each one of us getting better information about ourselves, or also um, because I specifically was a biotech analyst 
looking at the drug discovery process and is there a way to use data to have a more efficient drug discovery process? And I used to say like the, the biotech industry, the pharma industry is the only industry I know of that actively promotes how they get worse every year. So, you know, when I started developing, when I started investing in biotech, it was $700 million a year to develop a drug. And now it's $2.2 .2 billion a year to develop. 2.6. 2.6, sorry. So it goes up every year. I'm behind. It's um, it's, it's just, there's no other, I mean, imagine if your laptops, it was like next year, it's going to be $3,000, 4000 I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, um, it just drives me, it's, it's fascinating to me. And so if, like part of what I wanted to say was, is there a different approach that we can just take? And I don't have drugs on the market yet, um, but I will hope that in 10 years I can look back and say, having data and human genetic data led to a higher, a, a better success rate in drug discovery than the traditional model. Like that is specifically what I'm aiming for. I don't have the data yet to support that, but that is what I'm aiming for. So we have always done partnerships with pharma companies because I wanted to understand how we could, you know, if, if, if you are all customers, um, it's not that you're giving, you know, you're not consenting for research just so that 23andMe can do research, but you want other people to put, you want to advance science. And so we want to advance science, whether it's with an academic partner or it's with a pharma company. So we do a number of those partnerships. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sites trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, listeners to the Forbes interview podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes and one more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. So, and that's people, one problem people have with your business model is that people are basically consenting to give their data for research. You think that your customers want that. Yeah, I would, I would argue with you that it's not. I think that there's a lot of groups who, who love to pitch it as like it's a problem. People want to see an advancement in science. Like when we did um, this program with Genentech and Parkinson's disease and people were worried like, oh, how will people feel? And overwhelmingly patient or customers for us wrote in saying like, we feel so lucky. Like Genentech chose us first. And and it's it's like that. Like, 
people who have, like, we did a, f a fair amount of work for a while with in sarcoma, and those individuals, they were just saying, like, I, like, stop asking me if you want me to do this study or that study. Like, I just want, like, I'm going to die. So do what you can and let me benefit and see that I'm impacting potentially myself or my children. And I think what the, the thing that I loved about the Henrietta Lacks movie that came out um, that Oprah was in is this one quote that said, you know, it's not that I didn't want to participate. I just wanted to be, I just wanted to know. And, and I think this, I really rebel, this idea that you are a human subject is so repulsive to me. Like, I don't want to be anyone's subject. Like, I want to be a partner in research. And so at 23andMe, we ask people, if you want to be part of research, join. If you don't, don't. If you want to join for a period of time and then withdraw your consent, withdraw your consent. Like, we're fine. Like, we want to support you in whatever choices you want to do. And if you're really passionate about um, Alzheimer's disease, we have lots of opportunities for you to participate in Alzheimer's disease research. And what we find is that people people actually get this concept. Like, it's not, like, look at all the enthusiasts. Susan G. Komen walks. Like, also, like, Alzheimer's disease raises a billion dollars a year. I mean, there's so much money going into medical philanthropy. And, and I question anyone, like, what actually happens with a lot of that money? Like, you don't know. And what we want to do is close that loop of, say, the most valuable thing that you have, actually, is your data, not your wallet. And so we can, your individual data doesn't do much. But us, if I get, you know, 100 million people, there's a lot that we can learn. And we will all collectively benefit from that. But if you want to participate, it's up to you. If you do not want to participate, it's up. To, it's also up to you. And we get an over 85% of our customers' consent. So it's it's completely, it's one of those things, like, we are still not, like, we're not cash flow positive. Like, we're, we're really trying to pioneer a new model of consumer access and a new model for can we actually make breakthrough discoveries. And I want to dramatically accelerate the pace of research worldwide. Like the fact, like the way we approach research, it just, it, it, it makes no sense to me. Like we're so fragmented. And so we want to create like a massive data set where people then can just really understand and learn and that you're in control. You're no longer a human subject, but you are actually in control of like what's happening and that we tell you, like we have a responsibility to tell you what you just empowered. And so we actually list on our, um, um, for uh, if you look on the research section of 23andMe, we will tell you how many of our 90 publications that are out there you have actually contributed to. And that's the type of thing we find our customers are actually really excited to know, like, oh, I have like three nature articles. Like, like that's <laughs> cool. And so like you might not be a scientist per se and that you're a primary author, but you're part of the process, and that's to me, is that j like just that respect of knowing like we're all making discoveries together. Does anyone out there have a question for Ryan? Yes, machine learning. Machine learning. I think I think we're just getting I, because you know Google um, invested in the early days, and I remember the first time um, we brought over some people and we're like, you know, let's talk about data and infrastructure, and they're like, let's see your servers, and and we had one, um, <laughs> and I remember them saying like, well, why don't you? call us in a few years. Um, and, and, you know, now we have over two and a half million customers. We have, you know, over half a billion data points on all of our customers. Um, we have a lot of data. And, and that's like, we're just reaching that point. Like if you're an AI machine learning person, like we're just reaching that point where we have enough data. And, um, and it's super exciting. Like, what can I really predict disease well? So we do have a team in-house um, that is specifically looking at, like, can I predict 
disease. And I, I, because I also, I'm getting so many new customers. Like I can run models today and then I can try to run models on future customers coming in and what they self-report. Um, so there's a ton of potential for what can happen. And my hope here is the same way you might walk into Target and they know exactly what you're likely to buy. I would love one day for you to walk into a doctor or for us to be able to tell you and say, hey, based on all the behaviors you have, you're three years away from being diabetic. So, and here's the actions that you need to take to potentially prevent that. So without a doubt, it's, it's, it's such an interesting area for us. And I have been like, I feel like my job is first and foremost, like I want to inspire a consumer revolution in healthcare. And then secondly, like when I have all these people together, how do I empower the entire research world to really do good with all of this information and make, be able to, you know, use machine learning, use uh, deep learning and make predictions or help people actually really know what is the best way to live their life or what are the best treatment options. Speaking of data, why genotyping instead of sequencing? Everybody else is sequencing everything. I recently was at this talk and, and Tim, and Tim Cook, uh, made this comment because someone asked him something about this and Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, he made this comment. He's like, listen, technologists love to talk about technology that's totally useless for the consumer. And I, in some ways, love that because it's exactly what we've always said. Like we, um, the whole genome, like what you get with 23andMe like we try to focus on what's genuinely of interest to you. There's a ton of interesting stuff from a research perspective on the whole genome and it's much more expensive. Like the, like there is no thousand dollar genome out there. Like it's a lot more expensive versus what we do. So, so I can have, I can give you something that's truly meaningful for you and, and we'll keep updating over time. But right now, like the whole genome to me is like, is a great for the academic setting and it's really interesting, but it's just like, what we do is incredibly reliable, um, it, it's inexpensive, and, and it's meaningful for our customers. So first off, I love that we share DNA with bananas. Like That's like one of the things my kids always love. Um, so I think it's about how you set up the company. And I have set up the company since the beginning, um, and, and I'm really transparent. Like We just raised capital now, and I was really transparent. Like this is the mission we're on and we will not deviate. Like I, like we, we will keep doing, like we are consumer focused. We will get in, there'll be controversy again. Um, we're out for this huge change and I'm not interested in a shortcut. So part of, I think it comes from, I, I think people have to be really honest with their investors. Like I never try to aggressively go after my investor group because the wrong investor involved is a disaster. Like, then they want an exit or they want some kind of return. Like, I've really focused and said, listen, like, I'm, I have a 10-year vision. Like, my next, like, I, I want to evaluate us in 10 years. What is it we can try to do? If Are you in for that journey? Do you want an exit in the short term? Like, you have to find the right group to support that. And also then is having a, a leadership team that is setting that vision. The thing that I'm most proud of, like, my team at 23 Me is spectacular. Like, I truly love the people I work with and they have stuck by us for a long, stuck by me, like for a long time in this journey. Like when we had our initial FDA um, letter, I mean, people didn't leave. Like people really feel strongly. Like they're at the company because we do what no one else is doing. And like we represent, like we have strong core values about like we represent consumer interests. We're trying to do what's best by the consumer. We're really trying to make a meaningful impact in research worldwide. And so we're just getting started. 
And I think you have to be really honest with your investors about that. And I have said very clearly, I'm focused, like success for me is the mission and a consequence of that will be a financial return. But I'm like, I only care about, I care about the mission. I think uh, my mom is quite a character. Um, you know, my par my parents are both, like my dad escaped from Poland as a child. My mother grew up really poor. Um, and they both just had, um, like my parents just are, like it, it, it was never about like, oh, we're fighters, but like, but they just fight, they go for what they really believe in. And my mom, my mom's a teacher. She has, you know, hundreds of students every year. And her students love her. Like, she has had so much. Like, as a child, I grew up every day. Like, people either loved my mom or they couldn't stand my mom. And and you just, like, never. And I was used to, like, I remember so well, um, we were at United Airlines. And my mom was fly, fighting with the ticket agent. I remember being like, we must be on the ground because you're only friendly in the sky. And, <laughs> um, and like, they, I, we, you know, my sisters and I talk about, like, my mom in some ways, like, she always made us uncomfortable. Like she was always, and there is something about like, we just got used to this sense of like, it's not, um, you know, it's not personal. Like we might fight about something and like be really at it, but then I can still call you and be like, Hey, what's up? You know, how are you doing? Um, and so like, to me, it was that sense, like it's really important to not be afraid of conflict. It's one of the things I, I, I realize, like, as I've met other people at the companies that, like, people will say, like, oh, wow, like, you just, like, jump right in. Like, I, it's never seemed odd to me. I also was really lucky um, from a gender perspective. Like, I never, in the environment I grew up in, like, I, I never knew there was a real difference between men and women other than, like, there's different bathrooms. And I, when I was on Wall Street, that's when I learned. I was like, well, there's men, women, and there's assholes. And, um, but like assholes come in all flavors. Like there's, there's like a lot of women who can be horrible. And so I, I, like, I tell people the company, I was like, you know, you just choose to work with like the men and women and avoid the assholes. Like it's just, and so I think we, um, I mean, I was really lucky with a lot of aspects of my childhood in that like we, like I do, like we grew up exceptionally confident and, and clear about what we wanted to do. We also really grew up with a vision that, um, you know, my parents were super cheap, very frugal, and um, we knew how to survive without money. So in one of the most important things that I, I have, like how to follow your dreams and your passions without succumbing to like, oh my God, this financial pressure, I need this job. And I feel like a lot of people go wrong when they're trapped in debt or they have other issues. Like we've always been incredibly financially responsible and, and there's huge freedom that comes with that. And just to be clear, when we're talking about, since he asked about the FDA, they're not the No, I, I actually, I have a lot of, I, and I generally said, like I have a lot of respect for them. We've got to know them well. Um, you know, the FDA is full of great people who genuinely are trying to protect, like their job is to protect the public. And there's all, I see it. I mean, we all see it. There's all kinds of bad actors out there. So I never felt like, and those are people who are dedicated to the public. Like it's not always a glorious job. And so I really, 
like I have a lot of respect for what they do and how they are doing it. And they work really hard and they work incredibly long hours. And so I feel like, like we, like when I look back on it, is it like we did things that like just, I wouldn't say we were ever in an area, like, like I always felt good about our data quality and how we were doing it, but we clearly did not communicate in the right way. And, um, and you know what, like it's, it's one of those things like you make mistakes and I don't like one of the important things as well for me as an entrepreneur, you don't hold grudges. Like it's great people. And, you know, we made mistakes. I don't necessarily always agree with all the things they did, but you know, let's just focus on the future. And that's all I get the company focused on. Like don't dwell on the past. Like how are we going to get out and what are we going to do next? And like, there's a big stories for us in the future. So let's focus on that. All right. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Don't miss the debut episode of The Producer's Guide with Todd Garner and his very first guest, Adam Sandler. I was shooting little Nicky and my father came to the set. You heard about this new Krispy Kreme donut? <laughs> and I'm eating like two or three and talking to him and he's like, how many are you going to have? I said, that's it. And he's like, you do that every day? <laughs> Download new episodes of The Producer's Guide with Todd Garner every Thursday on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.